bringing you the truth behind the news. Welcome to The New American. Welcome, everyone. We're glad you can join us. It's October 30th, and I'm Paul Dragu. Gun sales in Maine shot through the roof last week after a homicidal maniac killed 18 people. Also, in an unprecedented move, the U.S. is halting the export of civilian firearms and ammo. The question is, why? And protesters who want Israel to stop its military campaign in Gaza impose their complaints on the American people over the weekend. We have those stories coming up, as well as a discussion about the latest issue of the New American Print Magazine. But first, on Thursday, the U.S. military carried out airstrikes against Iranian facilities in Syria. The Pentagon said this about the strikes. These precision self-defense strikes are a response to a series of ongoing and mostly unsuccessful attacks against U.S. personnel in Iraq and Syria by Iranian-backed militia groups that began on October 17th. As a result of these attacks, one U.S. citizen contractor died from a cardiac incident while sheltering in place, and 21 U.S. personnel suffered from minor injuries but have all since returned to duty. The president directed today's action to make clear that the United States will not tolerate such attacks. The Pentagon also said that if Iran's proxies continue attacking U.S. forces, it won't hesitate to take further necessary measures. The military said the strikes are separate and distinct from Israel's conflict with Hamas. But Iran's leaders don't seem to be persuaded by that argument. On Thursday, Iran's foreign minister said during a meeting at the United Nations, I say frankly to the American statesmen who are now managing the genocide in Palestine that we do not welcome an expansion of the war in the region. But if the genocide in Gaza continues, they will not be spared from this fire. Iran's comments came just a day before Israel ramped up operations in Gaza. It intensified airstrikes and its ground operations. Retired U.S. Army Colonel Douglas McGregor talked to Tucker Carlson earlier this month about what he thought would happen here at home if the U.S. deepens its military involvement in the Middle East. We've had open borders now for the last two and a half years, but we've had an illegal uh, migration problem for the last three plus decades. The, we don't know who's in the country. We really don't. No one at home, Homeland Security can tell you who is here. The Europeans face something quite similar. They were bullied into admitting millions of Muslims from the Middle East and Africa. We've been bullied by our government to open the borders and let in effectively anybody who wants to come. So we don't know who's here. But we do know that Hamas, as well as Hezbollah, have positions in Mexico. Of the two, Hezbollah is much stronger, much larger, and much better equipped and financed. So we have to expect that once Hezbollah is in the war and we are against them and Iran, that much of our infrastructure will be at risk. Jeremy discuss today's stories is the New American's Editor-in-Chief, Gary Benoit, and John Birch Society Research Manager, Christian Gomez. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello. Thanks. So um, it looks like the, the question is turning out to be not necessarily uh, whether World War III will break out or a hot war, but 
with whom? Christian, I know you have a lot of foreign policy uh, knowledge there. What is your analysis about what all is going on and who in the world are we going to end up in war with? Because <laughs> it seems like it could be anyone. Remember, was it a couple of weeks ago, Tucker Carlson was mentioning Russia. And now, of course, Iran's becoming clear. I mean, it could be anyone right now. What do you think? It is pretty interesting. You pointed out uh, how uh, Tucker Carlson had said uh, before this whole uh, situation in Israel erupted that Tucker Carlson believed that there was going to be a hot war between the U.S. and Russia and that that would be necessary or helpful for President Biden to be reelected mm. in 2024, that for right. sure is going to be a, a war. And it looks like that uh, prediction is shaping up to possibly hmm. be true because as, as we see this um, alliances of nations and or axes of nations, if you if you will, uh, starting to form up and 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 band together like, like the seeds of of a world war. And I hate to say world war because that sounds very hyperbolic, but it looks as though uh, everything that we're seeing right now looks just like the conditions in Europe right before World War One, with the various alliances all stacked up, just ready for that spark to fly. And maybe the spark's already flown. Maybe it's the uh, what happened there in. Um, in Gaza that will uh, lead to this conflict getting larger. Yeah. And uh, just over the weekend on Saturday, the president of Turkey, President uh, Erdogan, uh, gave a, a, what's re being reported on the express.co.uk uh, news website, an impassionate speech in which um, he was referring to Hamas's fighters as freedom fighters and uh, said he would cut off or, or look to reevaluate Israel's sorry Turkey's diplomatic relations with um, with Israel and he uh, uh, he was reported as saying from now on we will continue on our own path with the motto that we may suddenly knock on your door one night, referring to Israel. So it sounds wow. like Turkey is prepared to uh, at least threatening. To, wow. to go to war against Israel. So what's going to happen if that happens? Well, one nation goes to war against the other, then, uh, you know, other nations uh, respond to that. And we know who's behind Turkey, who's behind Hamas, who's behind uh, Iran. In fact, even the weapons that Hamas is using supposedly are North Korean-supplied weapons. Who's behind North Korea? Mm. The common denominator behind all this is are Russia. Are we going to China? Or, oh, Russia. Russia. Huh? Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Gary? Well, I wonder... I wonder if there might be some American weapons involved as well, because remember when we got out of Afghanistan? Yeah. All the huge stockpiles of weapons that we left behind? Uh, do you well, think, Christian, some of that may, some of those weapons may have found their way into the hands of the terrorists? Oh, more than likely. I, I think the, I think Al Qaeda, there was an article about how the Taliban or Al Qaeda, one of the two, had asked permission for the governments of, uh, I think, Jordan or Iraq, Iran, one of those governments, to ask if they could go through their countries, respectively, yeah. to join in the, in the jihad against Israel. So, possibly. Well, we, we had talked about this last week or whatever. They're all running the same. But uh, there was a, news, a Newsweek article from even before all this started where uh, upper, upper tier um, military personnel in Israel said they've already begun to see weapons from Afghanistan in mm -hmm. the hands of groups from Gaza. I want to get into this other uh, question. Doesn't it seem strange that our military pretty much, it seems like it does whatever it wants, like these strikes, uh, along with so many other military moves, they just, their uh, move, their decisions that are made within the military by the Pentagon or whatever. Um, 
is this constitutional? Are these strikes constitutional? It's not a full-blown war, but I mean, I, I think it's weird that they just go on and bomb these places and things like that, and then they draw the ire of these countries nearby, and soon enough, we're in a world war. What, what, well, I, w I would say it is engaging in warfare. Uh, what else would you call it? We're using military uh, weaponry in, in foreign lands. Yeah. And, and of course, on the face of it, it is unconstitutional because based on the Constitution, only Congress may declare war. And Congress has not declared war. Even in, because I, I think they were claiming self-defense. Obviously, as we said at the at the opening there, uh, these were retaliatory strikes because Iran hit us in Syria and other, in Iraq where we had bases and, you know, they injured uh, soldiers and things like that. Do you, is that still unconstitutional? Well, don't you think, though, that uh, uh, if there were an argument for the U.S. going to war, that Congress could still make the decision? Yeah, I, that, that's why I started out. I just think it's it's really strange and uh, almost, I, I don't know what another word is, maybe somewhat tyrannical or I don't know what the term right. is, but it's like they go in, they they start up all the, these troubles, uh, they, they put bases in places, they never ask the American sure. people, whatever, and then we find ourselves in this situation and I'm, I just can't help but think, I know this for, I, I know almost for a fact, if you were to take a poll, if you were to ask most mm -hmm. American people whether they want American soldiers all over the world, or they want to strike this, most people would say no. I'm, I'm sure you're correct about that. Yeah. And but, that, of course, is why the war-making powers were assigned to Congress to begin with, because Congress would have more of an in, uh, interest in preserving peace than would the executive branch of, of government. And I also know this, that when you look at the Convention of 1787, that drafted our, our Constitution, that uh, in an earlier draft, it said Congress would have the power to make war. And it was changed to declare instead of make. Mm. And the rationale for that was so that if the United States were suddenly attacked, that the president would be able to respond immediately uh, without violating the Constitution. Mm. You got anything to add to that, Christian? Um, just, uh, yeah, seconding what, what, what Gary said, with the House of Representatives having the power to declare war. Remember, the House of Representatives, according to the Constitution as originally written, um, every member of the House would represent up to no more than 30,000 people originally. Yeah. Of course, now it's far more than that. But nevertheless, the idea is that the House Christian, of Representatives... we got a break. we got to come back. Thank you. Up next, the U.S. is halting the export of civilian firearms. Freedom is the cure. You're dead on. This is the largest experiment performed on human beings in the history of the world. The more you know. What they're doing is they're forcing vaccination on people. And I believe they are killing people with this vaccination. The freer you are. It's murder. They are basically murdering people in hospitals. The all-cause mortality we know is now higher in the vaccinated group than the unvaccinated group. Stay informed on the issues that affect freedom. Get a subscription to The New American today. TheNewAmerican.com Welcome back. The U.S. has just halted most civilian firearm and ammunition exports. According to reports, the Department of Commerce announced a freeze on Friday. It will last for 90 days and apply to non-governmental users. 
The agency cited national security and foreign policy interests, but it gave no further details. Officials said they will conduct an assessment of the risk of firearms being diverted to entities or activities that promote regional instability, violate human rights, or fuel criminal activities. Reuters quoted Washington lawyer Johanna Reeves, a specialist in export controls and firearms, who said the government pause covers most items you can buy on an average U.S. gun store, including shotguns and optical sights. Reeves called this across-the-board action extraordinary. In the past, the federal government has implemented only individual country policies. Interestingly, Ukraine and Israel, along with a few other allies, are exempted from the ban. In 2020, the oversight of most commercial gun exports was transferred from the State Department to the industry-friendly Department of Commerce. But a Bloomberg investigation found that many of the exported guns fuel gun crimes and gang activities in foreign countries where they make their way to dictatorial regimes. Congressional Democrats have been highlighting the issue. Last year, they introduced House legislation called the America's Regional Monitoring of Arms Sales Act. In September, House and Senate Democrats sent a letter to the Commerce Secretary complaining about assault weapons export approvals. Commentary at Zero Hedge calls the freeze a new attack on U.S. gun manufacturers. It notes that the ban applies to some of the most important markets for the domestic firearms industry. Others speculate that this may portend World War III. Law enforcement today asks, are they preparing for war in America? Could this be a stockpiling move? All right, gentlemen. So this is quite curious, and it's obviously interesting given everything that is happening. I thought those two uh, suggestions seemed the most uh, plausible. I don't know what I'm going to go around and ask what you guys think. But my initial thought was it's like, oh, the government is actually doing something that may prevent it from being overtaken. Maybe there's an invasion that's being planned or something and they want to keep the weapons nearby. But I think what the zero hedges are saying also makes sense uh, because this does limit the market for, for gun manufacturers. What do you think, Gary? I think if the objective is to make sure that the American people are armed so that they could uh, also defend themselves uh, against yeah. invasion, that they would along stop with the regular military, <laughs> that they would stop exactly that they would stop trying know, to uh, disarm us. I mean, wouldn't it make more sense to have those arms in the hands of the uh, American people uh, before an invasion occurs? Should, but so, wouldn't the, that be an argument for getting rid of the gun laws? But in the past, what's happened is as war has erupted and things like that, all of a sudden these otherwise totalitarian regimes they start arming. Uh, people. That's happened. I think it happened in, in Ukraine and it's happened. We saw it in Israel and I wouldn't call Israel a tyrannical uh, regime, but we saw after the attack on October 7, all of a sudden the secretary, uh, the who is it, the security, the minister or whoever, all of a sudden they're buying firearms and trying to dole them out. Christian, you're smiling over there. What's going on? <laughs> oh, I, I'm just thinking how, how this whole situation with the Department of Commerce uh, um, and, and the federal government trying to block the sales of these firearms is so hypocritical because the U.S is perpetually sending weapons to um, to kingmakers around the world, to totalitarian despots that uh, supposedly are, are in U.S. interests. So mm. here we are uh, telling the American gun manufacturers and arms sellers in the U.S., no, you can't send to this country. That's our job. We don't want the competition. We get to decide mm. which players get, get firearms. So uh, I, I think this is just another onerous uh, step on the, on the part of the federal government to try to strangle gun manufacturers because ultimately we know that they don't want these gun companies to um, to thrive financially. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
I think the good thing that may come out of this is hopefully prices of ammo and, and firearms in the U.S. may go down because they continue to skyrocket. I think in the last week, uh, ammo for 223, uh, 223 and 5.56 ammo uh, skyrocketed too. So uh, we do have another story on that. So we might as well go right next to it and look at our, uh, look at our next story. On Friday, authorities found a man believed to have killed 18 people last week in Lewiston, Maine. He had apparently shot himself at a recycling facility where he worked. The suspected shooter killed people at a bowling alley and a restaurant in the city of 35,000 people. Reports say that last summer he underwent a mental health evaluation after he began behaving erratically at an army training facility in New York. A bulletin sent to the police said he was committed to a mental health facility for two weeks after hearing voices and threats to shoot up a military base. According to the Wall Street Journal, the shooter's sister-in-law said he thought the voices he heard were from people talking about him, which, she said, was something that began to happen after he received hearing aids. Maine Senator Susan Collins said the state's yellow flag laws should have been triggered and the shooter's legal access to firearms blocked. It certainly seems that on the basis of the facts that we have, that the yellow flag log should have been triggered if, in fact, um, the suspect was hospitalized for two weeks for mental illness. That should have triggered uh, the yellow flag log, and he should have been separated from his weapons. I'm sure after the fact that's going to be um, looked at very closely. However, according to the Maine Public Safety Commissioner, police hadn't found any evidence that the shooter for was forced into a mental health treatment facility. And that's what would have made it illegal for him to have guns, whereas a simple evaluation or voluntary commitment does not ban him from having firearms. Meanwhile, you'll be surprised to learn, the tragedy in Maine prompted Joe Biden to call for an assault weapon ban. The day after the shooting, he urged Republicans to work with Democrats to pass a bill banning assault weapons and high-capacity magazines, to enact universal background checks, to require safe storage of guns, and to end immunity from liability for gun manufacturers. Biden Democrats' calls for gun control will never cease, and the shooting in Tampa, Florida on Sunday that killed two people would only provide more ammo for these calls. Okay, gentlemen, so that's what the, uh, there's an interesting little metric here in Maine, uh, I think it was Fox Business that was reporting that gun sales in that town, or maybe the whole state, but I know in that town, apparently one gun, uh, gun store owner reported a 200% inc uh, increase uh, in gun sales. And another one said that his sales in one day after the shooting were uh, equaled that to the entire previous month. So it turns out that Americans are choosing self-defense instead of disarmament. Uh, and going back to your point, Gary, it's like, if they're trying to stockpile, then it wouldn't make sense for them to call for these assault ban, uh, uh, assault rifle bans. Exactly, and I heard too, Paul, that there is another store in Maine where the uh, the owner, the manager of that store, decided to close his doors uh, for a period of days after the shooting. But he did. And he got so many requests from people who wanted to buy guns that he opened those doors. So yeah. uh, it, it shows that the American people are looking at things very differently from the regime in power in Washington, D.C. under Joe Biden. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think, Christian? 
Well, if you look at uh, the Sandy Hook shooting that happened in Connecticut and other shootings that have happened in New York State after these mass shootings occur, sadly, um, what do the state legislatures of those states do? They try to impose onerous gun control laws on top of what they already have. So the citizens of Maine looking what's happened in their neighboring states of Connecticut and New York say, hey, we gotta, we, if we're going to buy these, let's buy them now before the Maine legislature potentially passes a gun control uh, law. So they're just doing the sensible thing. So good for them for uh, being proactive and buying them now before they may not be able to buy them in a year. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's it sucks that this happens. There's, I don't know how else to put it. It is tragic that these people misuse these these firearms, these tools. But I don't know any other sensible reaction when you have people who do this, when you have such an oversaturation of weapons in the first place, when you have people coming across the border. I think Americans' natural instinct is there's no one, there might come a time when there's gonna be no one to protect us and we are in charge of our self-defense. Uh, I think what what's really sad is that this is the world we live in now. I mean, just at the end there, I mentioned the Tampa shooting. It almost seems like they're happening so often, we can't even keep up with them. Well, I'm sure part of that is the breakdown in morality. Huge and, uh, part of that, say. Right, and uh, obviously we're living in an imperfect world, a world that is flawed with, with sin. Yeah. But uh, we can n nonetheless make the world better simply by getting back to God and uh, getting back to his, uh, his principles. Yeah, I, and we mentioned that last week too. Is this is the I think this is the core of the argument. And after the break, I want us to kind of dive a little deeper into that. But this, is, this didn't happen before. This didn't happen before. I mean, the, the shootings that we have and whatnot, and I think we were just as armed, if not more armed, in the past. So I, we're going to need to take a break, but after this, we're going to look uh, a little deeper at this issue here. In 1988, the John Birch Society produced a documentary so predictive, it's as though they had a time machine. Out of Control, Immigration Invasion was produced and hosted by investigative reporter William F. Jasper and looks at the growing problem of unrestricted illegal immigration that, in 1988, already saw upwards of 10 to 20 million illegal aliens within the borders of the U.S. Unknown agents from around the world using the southern border as easy entry. Certainly some are innocent families escaping hardship, but also certainly some are criminals, potentially terrorists. Is it not appropriate that there be some criteria for the entry of any sovereign nation? Why should the U.S. be different than Canada, Germany, Russia, Japan, or every other country on the planet? Out of control, immigration invasion. Watch this time capsule of prescient wisdom at thenewamerican.com slash out of control. Welcome back. So guys, we were talking about what happened in Maine, the gun sales spiking and then we left off with biden talking about uh gun control I, some of the things that he mentioned i, I want to talk about them for a couple seconds here uh one of the one of the uh measures that democrats are always talking about are these mental health measures that they want to pass and it seems like that this would be a pretty prototypical case right like this is where it would apply guy says he's hearing voices you're like okay that's the guy. But Christian, how could a mental health flag uh, be exploited by uh, tyrant wannabes? Well, just look at the Soviet Union or any of the Eastern Bloc countries or any communist nation today. Anyone who harbors views that are not in line with the party, uh, with the communist party and their ideology, oh, 
crazy. So you got to be locked away, and yeah. and w once you're locked away, the government can take away your uh, food ration card or make sure you can't have firearms, whatever they want to do yeah, yeah. under the guise of being um, insane. Right, right. And who hasn't been, for instance, depressed or have had some sort of, uh, and they would consider that a disorder, and then that could be a, uh, applied. And so that's the fear. That the, uh, unfortunately, is we do not trust our government and. It, as unfortunate as these shootings are, no one has killed more people than governments did, especially in the 20th century. They are the most dangerous element on earth, I would, I would argue. Did it you? really puts it in perspective. All right, guys, so let's look at our final story here. Organized protests against Israel's military campaign have been happening in Europe and America. New York City has been a hotbed for this kind of activity. On Friday, hundreds of protesters organized by a group called Jewish Voice for Peace filled Grand Central Terminal in Manhattan, where they chanted, cease fire now and let Gaza live. Most of these protesters wore black shirts saying, not in our name and cease fire now. They disrupted the evening commute for thousands of people. They also refused to leave. The police ended up arresting hundreds of them. Others who protested in the Big Apple last weekend were outright pro-Hamas and anti-Israel. On Saturday, thousands of protesters shut down the Brooklyn Bridge. A headline in the New York Post described the scene this way. 7,000 pro-Palestinian protesters take over Brooklyn Bridge, call for elimination of Jewish state by any means. The protesters swarmed across the famous bridge from Brooklyn into Manhattan, where as the New York Post reported, some ralliers were blatantly heard screaming, long live Hamas. Demonstrators chanted free Palestine as they mounted the iconic George Washington statue and plastered it with stickers that read Zionists are terrorists. Hamas is a designated terrorist organization. It's the same terrorist organization that controls the Gaza Strip, where it uses the same Palestinian people it claims to represent as human shields. The Israeli Defense Force has released a video about the maze of underground tunnel networks used by Hamas. According to the IDF, destroying Hamas means destroying their tunnel network of terror. Listen. Have you ever wondered where terrorists hide? Where rockets are stored? Where Hamas headquarters are located? Beneath the streets of Gaza lies an underground city, a complex labyrinth of terrorist infrastructure. Over the last several years, Hamas has brought urban warfare underground, and terrorists are hiding around every corner. This tunnel network is how weapons move freely through Gaza. This tunnel network is where Hamas leaders plan and orchestrate attacks against Israel. This tunnel network is how Hamas forced hospitals, mosques, schools, and millions of civilians to shield their militia of terror. Destroying Hamas means destroying this tunnel network. All right, gentlemen, so I want to get back to you here. Gary, who is behind some of these organized protesters? Clearly, uh, there was organization. They're wearing the same shirts. Uh, they were they filled in. They basically disrupted all movement in Grand Central Station. You did a little uh, looking into there. What did you find? Well, the group in Grand Central Station specifically, that was a, a Jewish group, or mm -hmm. at least they said they were Jewish. But uh, obviously very, very liberal mm -hmm. Jews. But uh, by and large, the protesters are, are, are not Jewish. Um, and uh, obviously, many of them are radical uh, Islamists. And so I was looking at it uh, more from that point of view. And I found an article that appeared in the New York Post. Uh, it appeared on Saturday. And the title is, Groups Behind Israel Bashing Protests 
backing Hamas attacks got $15 million plus dollars from Soros. Dun, dun, from, dun. Yeah, dun, dun, dun. George Soros. Are, are you surprised, Paul? I am. I am, man. I'm, I'm so surprised. How does that guy keep up? He's like 300. I mean, he's just... It's just uh, he's so good at at funding all this instability and all this chaos. Yep. Christian, are you surprised? I'm not surprised at all. Uh, Soros, we always see him, his tentacles behind uh, all the the communist mass mass movements. Yeah. And what do you think they have to gain by this? What what is what's the point here? Do we have any inclination, any idea, why? Well, I assume when you ask that question, you're talking about the people at the top, such as George yeah. Soros and. Uh, obviously, what he's trained to do is he's trained to topple the existing order and to replace it with a new world order. And that new world order would not have the, the Constitution of the United mm. States. It would not be based on the Declaration of Independence, where rights come from God. And, of course, the Declaration is the, the birthright of our former government or the birth certificate of yeah. our former government. Uh, but it would be uh, socialistic. It would be communistic. And uh, it would be where the United States and other nations would be submerged uh, under global governance, where the main seat of that governance would be the uh, United Nations. Yeah. So this is basically just more action that falls under the umbrella of creating instability. Right. Absolutely. And of course, George Soros said in an interview with the Financial Times newspaper, he said that China needs to own the New World Order like the U.S. does now. And China also is linked up with Russia, North Korea, Iran, Hamas, all these groups. Uh, they form an axis of Marxist uh, nations. Yeah. Now, Gary, you would also, it's interesting that what the measures or, or the, the lengths that Israel went through to try to make this work. Can you fill us in a little bit on that? Well, it really is. I, I looked into that as well, and obviously there's a history there that uh, very few people are uh, aware of. But if you go back uh, a few years, uh, uh, I think 2006 or so, but uh, uh, Israel pulled out of the Gaza Strip. Uh, pulled out totally. They, mm. they even took their, their dead with them. Yeah. Uh, so all the Israelis left so that uh, uh, the people living there who were, who were not Jewish uh, would be able to have self-determination. Yeah. And uh, uh, one thing that was left behind were, were uh, many greenhouses, I think a, a couple thousand uh, greenhouses that were supposed to be used as part of the, the structure, the infrastructure uh, for building up the, the economy in the Gaza Strip, yeah, uh, and immediately those uh, greenhouses were were destroyed. Why? Uh, because the Jews left them there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know that that is uh, yeah. that is an excellent question, Paul. Yeah, but uh, maybe because the people in power, because the people in power became uh, became Hamas. Yeah, uh, Hamas effectively controls the uh, the Gaza Strip. And they're really not interested in helping the people living there. What they're interested in is, is wiping Israel off the face of the earth. And so the Gaza Strip, Strip became a base where communities uh, uh, outside the Gaza Strip, communities in Israel, uh, neighboring communities were, were attacked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, literally, uh, you know, thousands of, of missiles being fired into Israel to the point where uh, Jewish communities in that area became uninhabitable. 
Yeah. And I don't know why it's so hard for some people to realize this. I mean, whatever you think of Israel, and we know they're not perfect, and we know that Netanyahu is likely a globalist. We, I think we've even reported on that. But the people, Hamas, these people are diabolic. I don't, I don't know how you can support that. Christian. They're evil. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> you don't support Hamas, do you? Uh, no, well, they're horribly uh, evil. Succinctly. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, so you know, friends of ours who who have ties to to Israel and whatnot, they mention that often. This idea that before you know the Jewish state was established, there wasn't a whole lot there, and now you see, you know, they've uh, they forged a living out of what up to that point have been pretty tough conditions, and so that that's a point that they they make quite often. Uh, so anyway, uh, we're going to be watching this obviously and see where this goes. There's, it, it's day by day, man. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. And after this, me and Gary are going to be discussing the latest issue of the New American Magazine. We will be right back. As a lumberjack, I've been cutting wood for decades. My job is pretty straightforward. I see the wood, I chop the wood. My axe goes through every time. You remember when everyone bought all the toilet paper? And they wanted me to wear these things. And someone invested a lot of money into this stuff. They say I'm part of a global plan. I don't think so. It's too hot, it's too cold. You know what? The weather changes. We even hear crazy ideas on how kids should learn. Here's the news, Dad. Is it, son? Is it? What about this one, Dad? Nope. It's hard to tell what's real and what's fake these days. There's just too much baloney out there. At the New American, they cut through the baloney and give me the truth. Visit thenewamerican.com and subscribe to get 50% off the cover price. And if you want an even better deal, Use the promo code 10OFFSUB. Again, that's 10OFFSUB for more than 50% off. Twice a month, the New American Magazine publishes a print edition with in-depth analysis and reporting. Gary is the editor-in-chief and has been for a long time, and he's going to tell us about the latest issue. Hi, Gary. Nice to Hi, Paul. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. We just had you on. Anyway, so... I don't know if our audience is aware or if they all have a subscription. I, I, I doubt they all have a subscription, and if you don't, you should get one. But uh, this is one of the best magazines out there, and we're not just saying that because it's our magazine, but it really is. I've been reading a lot of some of the older issues, especially we've been talking about the police state ones and whatnot, and I often go back to some of our archives, and it's scary how right we were, how well we were able to, to project the lines there. Um, so good job, kudos to you. I often give you kudos. You've been at the helm for so long, but it's really important what you guys do in this analysis. Uh, I think a lot of people, they can go online, they see the newamerican.com, but this is a little different, isn't it, than what's online? Well, yes it is. We do have exclusive material in here that we do not have online, and we do a lot of analysis. and. Uh, uh, it's interesting the way you introduce the talking about this uh, this new issue, Paul, because you you talked about projecting the lines, yeah, forecasting what would happen in the future, and uh, this magazine uh, really stands on the on the shoulders of forecasting we've done in the past because 
if you look at things over the years, we've warned time and again that our interventionist foreign policy yeah. uh, would enhance the, the terrorist threat, would, would uh, make terrorism actually worse in the Middle East instead of making it better. And so here we have a cover story uh, looking at behind the Israel-Gaza war. Well, would there, be a, Steve would there be a war by Steve Bonta? But, but the question is this, Paul, would there be a war right now if Gaza did not exist? I don't know. And why does Gaza exist? Well, it exists because before then we had the, the PLO, mm. uh, which also engaged in terrorism, which also wanted to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. And uh, as a result of uh, uh, Israel's foreign policy is, and I think too complicit in that was U.S. foreign policy, Hamas was created as a counterbalance. Yeah to the, uh, the PLO. Yeah, that didn't work out uh, And so well, the problem it? actually got worse instead of uh, better. Uh, and then you look at the PLO, uh, you know, the PLO was actually saved uh, as a result of uh, uh, U.S. government uh, foreign policy, uh, uh, where it was basically surrounded and uh, Israel was held back and, and the PLO was uh, uh, allowed to, to escape. Uh, yeah. uh, as a matter of fact, look at 9-11, although maybe I'm getting off track a little bit, rather than talking about uh, what happened in Israel, although you could say that the terrorist attack, in fact, it has been said that the terrorist attack on Israel on October 7th was there at 9-11. Uh, but if you look at our... 9-11? Uh, 9-11. Who was behind that, Paul? I mean, who was the person who cited? And uh, uh, that's uh, Osama bin Laden, yeah. right? And, uh, and he was somebody who originally was active in Afghanistan uh, when Afghanistan was under the, the thumb of the, uh, of the Soviet uh, communists, and uh, we banked on Osama bin Laden. Uh, we trained him and uh, give him, uh, gave him the, the wherewithal, supposedly, to fight the, uh, mm -hmm. the communists in Afghanistan. But, of course, instead, he ended up waging war on the West. So yeah. time and time again, we, we make matters worse through our interventionist foreign policy. And that's really what this article is all about regarding specifically what is happening today in uh, Israel and also in the, the Gaza Strip, that uh, uh, the policies of Israel as well as uh, the U.S. government have made things, uh, made things worse, not better. Remember, it was a two or three weeks ago where you held up an issue from 1998 with uh, Osama bin Laden's face. Right. <laughs> I, I should have brought that down for today. Is, is this the face, the, the face of terrorism? Is this the terrorism? face of terrorism, what it said on the cover? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, how do you guys do it, Gary? Right. How do you? <laughs> what is, what what's well, the secret sauce here? Well, I know in this instance uh, there will be some secret sauce that will be brewing, uh, because I'm sure Caden and our studio and Kyle are going to have that cover just referred to <laughs> you uh, that magic, magically appear in this program. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what do you, Christian, you're, uh, what do you think about all this interventionist policy that uh, I've talked to Peter about this and I've talked to, to Steve on this. I don't think I've gotten your take on it. What is your analysis? I doubt my take is any different than theirs, but it is, is a perfect classic example of blowback. Everything Gary said is correct. We created Al-Qaeda essentially to fight off the Soviet Union and by aiding the Mujahideen against the, the Soviet invaders in Afghanistan. And Israel did the same by building up and creating Hamas in the 1980s and early 1990s because Hamas, uh, they thought, if we give weapon to the secular Islam, sorry, if we give weapon to the Islamist fighters, they'll fight off against the secular Marxists because the PLO, 
the People's Liberation, or sorry, the Palestinian Liberation Organization, was a Marxist organization backed directly by the USSR for a long time and even by Russia in the early 90s as yeah, well. Which we reported as well. Yeah, we reported on that. And what are we doing right now in Syria? In Syria, uh, you know, remember John McCain was give, helping to uh, give weapons to the Islamic fighters against Bashir al-Assad, because Assad is a secular, uh, pro-Russia, you could say Marxist-leaning uh, uh, nationalist dictator there. So by funding the Islamists, we were funding what became ISIS. So we create these problems for ourselves and Israel following US foreign policy does the same. Sure. It's time we stop. But you gotta ask the question, why does Israel follow US foreign policy? They should uh, uh, And they should not, but uh, there is a factor there we need to discuss. And that is the billions of dollars uh, that we give to Israel through foreign aid. And obviously that is used as a club to try to get Israel to do what we want Israel to do. Mm -hmm. uh, which means that sometimes Israel uh, is forced not to act in its own best interest. My understanding and, is and that's somewhat happening right now. Uh, and I believe so. But uh, not only do we give foreign aid to Israel, we give foreign aid to Israel's enemies. We, we make uh, the world more, more dangerous by funding both sides. So uh, really, uh, and, and I know there are some Jewish people who are very pro-Israel who believe this, uh, uh, in fact, they've been on our program. Uh, Bob Unger is is uh, one example, a uh, lawyer in New York City uh, who uh, is Jewish and uh, very pro-Israel. Uh, but these uh, Israelis are saying, uh, and American Jews are saying, that uh, the best thing to do to help Israel is to cut off foreign aid. Yeah. Cut all of it off, not just to Israel, but to Israel's enemies, and uh, give Israel its head, so to speak. I mean, treat Israel uh, is uh, the great nation that it is, uh, so that Israel can start acting in its own self-interest. Christian, you look like you wanted to chime in there. Yeah, yet, so. Actually, this is a perfect opportunity or segue for uh, our JBS legislative alert on the subject. We have mm -hmm. an, an alert to uh, stop or you know cut off any kind of U.S. and military aid as well, forward and military aid uh, to Israel in this conflict. We, so we have that alert on JBS.org, and hopefully Caden could also make that magically appear <laughs> on the screen. Um, yeah. What, what do you guys say to the people who are like, look, we get it. There's blowback. There's chaos. But they'll say there was chaos in that region for thousands of years, hundreds of years before the United States ever uh, existed, much less ever got involved. What do you say to those people? I'll start with you, Christian. Well, the U.S. wasn't part of that chaos. So by us being involved in it now, now we're dragging ourselves and expanding this chaos. So if we just pulled out of that region, the chaos would be more self-contained into that area. Mm. And Lord willing, hopefully those who are involved in the, in the dilemma, specifically like Israel and Hamas, they can work that out themselves of however they wanna work that out with it. Yeah. If they wanna fight each other off, then let them do that. But let's not, hands, uh, let's not tie Israel's hands behind their back. Because it's been the US that's been telling Israel, oh, don't, don't go after Iran, don't, go, uh, don't send your forces into Gaza right away. Let Israel make its own decisions for its own national security. Let's get the US out of there. Because um, we're only making the problem worse by being there. Gary, we have a few seconds. Well, you wanna I, add something? I, I, first of all, I will second what Christian said, but beyond that, in addition to what Christian said, we are also importing the problem here. Because as a, as a result of making the terrorist threat worse in the Middle East, not, not just yeah. uh, uh, in Israel, but uh, throughout the, the Middle mm -hmm. East, uh, we've caused a lot of people to dis be displaced who have come to Western countries, mm, uh, both in Europe as well as in the United States. And many of them uh, bring their, their beliefs with them. 
Thank you. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Christian. That was wonderful. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of The New American Daily. Remember to visit thenewamerican.com for more truth behind the news. And if you haven't already, you can also go to newamerican.com and get a subscription to this magazine. It's worth it. Enjoy the rest of your day and join us tomorrow for another episode.